0: Okay. Welcome to my podcast. Um, This is Cree Johnson. I am a law professor at the Ohio State University College of Law. Um, My guest today is Mr. Carl Settlemeyer. He is an attorney with the Federal Trade Commission. And today we're going to talk about our devious fraudster that is peddling weight loss supplements. And I'm just going to say a brief couple of introductory remarks before we get started. Um, uh, Mr. Settlemyer is a 1994 honors graduate of Georgetown University School of Law. He has over the last few years represented the FTC in very interesting cases, alleging that companies and their owners have violated federal law by engaging in various deceptive acts and practices. Today, Carl will tell us about one of his cases involving a devious fraudster, peddling weight loss supplements. And before we get started, Carl has to make a statement regarding the capacity in which he is speaking today.
1: Yes, that's right. First of all, thanks for having me. Second of all, my views are my own, not necessarily those of the commission or any commissioners.
0: Thank you. So now listen up audience. (laughs) Today we are going to focus on Rocca Labs, our devious fraudster and the owner. I am going to use the acrostic devious, spelling the word devious, as a way for us to work our way through um, the actions from the beginning to the end of this case. Uh, As usual, the brief um, remarks regarding federal law is that the Federal Trade Commission Act prohibits unfair deceptive acts or practices. Uh, If someone is um, engaging in um, selling goods or services in interstate commerce, and on the state level, every state has a consumer protection statute. Most are modeled after the FTC Act, and they also prohibit unfair deceptive acts and practices. So as you're thinking through the uh, actions of our devious fraudster, keep in mind that federal and state law prohibits companies from engaging in unfair deceptive acts or practices. Okay, so we're gonna start with D, deceptive practices. And now I'm gonna turn it over to Mr. Settlemyer to explain to us the devious practices committed by our bad actor.
1: Sure. So back in uh, 2015, the FTC sued a company called Roca Labs and its owner, a man named Don Jurgen, for basically deceptive weight loss claims made about their product known as the Roca Labs formula and uh, the Roco Labs anti-cravings uh, uh, product, which uh, were basically uh, dietary supplements that were in the form of powders that you would buy for $480 um, as of I mean, entry-level price for a package of, of these products. And um, supposedly, if you took them, you would uh, lose a lot of weight, and specifically The FTC alleged and the court eventually found that the um, Roca Labs uh, defendants uh, falsely claimed that the formula and anti-cravings would reduce your food intake by 50% and cause you to lose a lot of weight quickly, including as much as 21 pounds in a month or up to 100 pounds in seven to 10 months. They also claimed that 90% of users of the formula products would lose substantial amounts of weight, that the products were comparable or superior to bariatric surgery in providing weight loss benefits, and that the products are even safe and effective for weight loss in children as young as six years old. And the commission alleged that these claims were false and deceptive and the court found that they were and that they violated the FTC Act. So Carl,
0: I noticed that you said um, Roca Lab said that the weight loss supplement was effective and safe for children as young as six years old. Now, do we normally think of weight loss products being targeted to children?
1: Well, it's not something that's that's common in our experience, and the um, you know the the typical scenario where you know products are being sold uh, to be you know, effective for kids. I mean, it's the, the parents who are being targeted. I mean, So this isn't like a kid advertising type of issue. It is more of a parent advertising type of issue. But a lot of parents who, um, you know, obviously anybody who's got, you know, a weight issue is going to be um, um, you know, concerned that, that they want to, you know, do the right thing for their own health. And certainly if they feel like their kids are um, having uh, problems with their weight, they want to try to try to help out their kids. So, um, you know, the the proof of effectiveness for um, of these products for kids was um, uh, basically as non-existent as it was for uh, for adults.
0: Okay, so that takes us to the next part, which is E stands for exploiting consumers' lack of knowledge. So. Um, Roca Labs and the owner, they're representing to the world that these supplements can do all these things. And yet the consumer doesn't have the actual knowledge about what these products can do. And tell us now, Carl, how did he exploit the consumer's knowledge? What representations was he making and what was he required to do in order to make these representations?
1: All right, so basically one thing to, to get out up front is that these products were sold exclusively on the internet. So um, they were marketed not just through um, you know the defendants' websites. They were also, you know, being you know, steering people to the websites with um, testimonial videos they would put on YouTube and they were using internet advertising that they had on uh, Facebook and Google for people searching for weight loss solutions. So you know, you're already looking at, you know, people often in the search for a product that would help them um, deal with uh, an issue of being overweight. And for this product in particular, uh, people who um, were either, um, you know, extremely overweight or obese, and oftentimes people who were looking into the possibility of getting bariatric surgery, um, uh, gastric bypass surgery, to be able to lose weight. So um, they, you um, the defendants made a lot of, of claims from the time you would click on you know, a search result, a search ad that would take you to some of their materials. And they would claim to have um, experience with 80,000 users, for example, that they would have on their page um, information about supposed clinical studies of the, uh, the product ingredients. And um, you know, there was a page that was entitled letter to your doctor that was supposedly uh, uh, authored by a a physician who incidentally had no credentials (laughs) as a weight loss expert, but they put these materials up there to give a patina of um, authoritative medical knowledge. So one of the things that um, we focused on is the, the appeal to uh, the idea that there were uh, medical-type articles, clinical studies about the the product. But basically, um, you would go to the uh, Roca Labs website. You would see this letter. You would see all these citations to all these studies. And not only would you, as a layperson, not necessarily be able to access this information, but really, they were banking on the fact that you didn't have the expertise to really evaluate it, even if you did. Because consumers generally aren't going to be in a position to verify whether or not weight loss claims made about a product are true. That's something that, you know usually you've got to have um, that you're going to have to have an expert able to, to to assess based on the studies. So any product seller is going to need to have a reasonable basis for their claims about products that they're selling, and a reasonable basis for, Uh, claims about dietary supplements, for example, means having competent and reliable scientific evidence as understood by experts in the scientific field to substantiate the claims the seller is making about the product. For weight loss claims, experts in the field have told us and testified in this case, in fact, that that means controlled human clinical studies of the products, not just individual ingredient studies, not animal studies, not isolated chemical reactions in the lab. you have to test the substance that is being sold and that's something that these defendants, these Roca Labs defendants did not do. So all the claims they were making for weight loss were based on um, the defendants marketing um, what they wanted people to believe and you know to the extent they could, backfilled with anecdotal, evidence that people might have um, submitted to them in the form of, uh, of videos and whatnot. But none of that would be substantiation in a scientific sense for uh, the weight loss claims that they were making about the product. And so the other when part the, of it is, go ahead.
0: So when the, when the, when the consumer would see these um, references to studies, would, would they be able to click on a link and see anything, or these were just citations?
1: Basically, no, it's just citations they have. So you can probably Google up some of, if you don't have the um, the scientific background that the seller of the product making claims about it is supposed to have, you might think, oh, well, this one ingredient in one study showed there was some uh, some weight loss, and you might think you can sort of look at that and, and get a feel for it. But really, the overall you know misrepresentation was that this was effective, and really they didn't have proof of that. They had okay. little bits, little breadcrumbs you could follow, but nothing that was really proof of these dramatic weight loss claims. The other big selling point they had is they tried to liken this product, this particular you know these bags of, of uh, what were essentially dietary fibers that you could, you know, essentially buy for a lot less money if you're interested uh, from um, other places, you know, online. If you wanted to buy, you know, say glucoman or other things that are, you know, dietary fibers, you, you could buy those and, you know, not spend $480. But either way, these things um, did not have, uh, the effect claim, and they certainly didn't um, have an effect like gastric bypass surgery. And one of the things that you know th- th- that is notable about the selling point is people were looking to be possibly you know finding out more information about bariatric surgery when they're in the search that would lead them to the Roca Labs website.
0: Wow! And so, people so some people were actually looking for bar- about bariatric surgery, and the search results would bring them to Roca Labs. And that's how they even got to thinking, oh, maybe I can buy this product, and then I won't have to spend all this money and time getting surgery to try to do the same thing.
1: And that's exactly right. So whether it was sort of an organic search result, like some of the, they seeded the internet with videos about bariatric surgery and, and, and Roca Labs product as being a gastric bypass alternative, and uh, in, in often cases, uh, paid search ads that would, Lead people looking for that dramatic weight loss, looking for that surgical solution to try to check out maybe as a last-ditch effort before they go and get surgery. Maybe I, I'll go ahead and spend four or five hundred dollars on this Roca Lab stuff. Um, what do I have to lose, right? Um, well, you had five hundred dollars to lose, and and you know you were using a, a treatment that wouldn't be effective for what you were were looking for it to do. And, you know, in addition to referring to the products as gastric bypass, no surgery and gastric bypass alternative to emphasize this possibility of weight loss comparable to bariatric surgery, um, they would um, claim that the the powder that you would would buy, you'd scoop out this this powder into, into some water, you'd mix it up, and if you put it in the refrigerator overnight, it would be more gelatinous, or you could just drink it. And they claimed that this formula would stay in your stomach for 10 to 16 hours, and that it would effectively limit your stomach volume in a way similar to like a temporary gastric bypass procedure, and that this would force you, in effect, to eat less. And in fact, this you know um, mixture of fibers wouldn't stay in your body any longer than an ordinary meal would. And what really Roca Labs is trying to do is trick people into thinking that this product is doing something when really you're just eating less and losing weight. It's the same, and the formula had nothing to do with it. It was just really all uh, a way of psychologically gaming the consumer into um, thinking that there was a result that was happening because of the formula, but really it was because they didn't eat something if they did get any weight loss. That's right.
0: Wow. Okay, so so now we just finished up the E in devious. Now we're moving on to V, victimizing vulnerable consumers. And uh, um, Carl has already alluded to um, victimization because these are folks who are sometimes very obese, um, and so elaborate further based on maybe some summaries from victim complaints. How were they vulnerable to fall for this supplement to believe it could do what it actually could not do?
1: Right. So there were, you know, a lot of uh, uh, consumer uh, complaints, and there were, you know, a lot of people who, you know, talked about the fact that they were. Um, you know, searching for something that would, you know, help them to overcome, you know, long-term weight issues, people who had tried all kinds of other things and were not having the success they wanted. And, you know, that's why many of them were contemplating, you know, getting gastric bypass surgery and trying to do research on that. And the the victimization was, you know, to the tune of 25 million dollars from wow. um, tens of thousands of consumers over the course of, say, we looked principally at the period between 2010 and 2015 when we went in and got the um, the false uh, advertising they were doing uh, shut down, and the um, you know the the customers who you know gave us you know, declarations to, to testify, you know, talked about the the fact that you know they were you know. Um, trying to be optimistic about the product and they were trying to be um, um, you know, open to trying something new, but really it was just, um, um, they were being set up to be uh, exploited and have their money taken. Wow,
0: and $480 for the basic package. How long did that last? Was that, a, was that supposed to last 30 days supply?
1: That was, I think, a 30 to 60 day supply. I mean, there were different packages you could buy. And one of the things that, um, uh, you know, the the company would do is they had a, you know, series of, of steps in the online purchasing process. And you needed to talk about how much weight you wanted to lose. And they would make recommendations about how much of the product you should buy. I mean, people were spending, you know, much more than the $480. In many cases, oftentimes they were spending... You know, seven hundred or a thousand dollars, wow. and um, were, you know, getting you know a very nicely packaged. I will have to give them some credit. They had a very nicely packaged box of the uh, um, these bags of the formula. They would have uh, um, you know containers to mix up the formula and scoops, and it was in nice little <laughs> uh, nice little uh, baggies with um, uh, sort of a mesh uh, around uh, some of these uh, these products. So. Um, they, they spared uh, no uh, expense on, on the packaging, um, but they certainly spared expense on the science behind uh, what they were claiming it could do. Wow,
0: I like the way you said that. Okay, so we get, n- t- we get to the next letter in Devious, right? And we get, I noticed that with all sorts of consumer fraud, the tendency is for the companies and their owners to inflate their credentials. Inflate their knowledge, inflate their experience, uh, as a way to persuade the customer that they um, basically have the expertise, so that you feel confident that the product or service will do what they say can be accomplished.
1: Right, and the, the Roka Labs folks did this in uh, multiple ways to a fairly well. So. Most of their advertising you would see once you got to the site was images and um, and videos of people. Um, usually there were two or three principal you know actors who would appear in these videos. These are not medical professionals, but they had on lab coats and they would talk about, uh, of course, Roca Labs. It has labs right there in the name. Sounds very scientific. Yes, the, it does. Uh, the logo, you know, would would. Uh, uh, and and the, the the typography, they would have a caduceus, that little symbol with the two snakes on it that you see uh, for pharmacies and doctors' offices, So connoting medical um, expertise. They had the web page that was um, uh, authored by a, um, a physician, or I guess now former physician, but that's a whole other long story we'll get into. But basically, talking about how. Um, uh, you know, the scientific studies that uh, were being relied on. And there were other more, you know, subtle ways the whole process made you feel like this was um, a, a medical type of transaction with a company that was a laboratory, with a company that was um, not just uh, an online, you know, uh, marketing um, uh, thing run out of, you know, basically people's homes a warehouse. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is this is not really a a, a lab in any any true sense. So, um, one of the things they would have you do is type up um, type in um, information into a health questionnaire or health application to see if you qualified to buy the product. And there were all kinds of questions about your weight, your height, your age. Um, You know, other weight loss methods you tried, uh, psychological issues you feel like you've had in the past trying to lose weight. So this would be a questionnaire that would take somebody five or 10 minutes to fill out and not only give the company sort of the patina of medical expertise, but also get the consumer invested in the process and make it seem as if, um, you know, you needed to, you know, to sort of measure up to be in. Right. to be entitled to the product, you have to earn it, right? So, this is actually a fairly typical technique that scammers use to get people on the hook for all kinds of things to lead them down the process of getting invested in buying the product, sinking some time into filling in the questionnaire. And people sort of naturally want to um, feel like, you know, I qualify, I'm good enough. Right. Um, and they play on that. So, and Roka Labs, you know, did the same thing. And you get this, um, this aura of rigor that the, um, the company seems like they're um, doing. Really, they just want to make sure primarily that you are you know psychologically invested in taking the next step and spending the money on the product, getting you to believe it's going to do what they do. And only in a minor way, they were, they were, they were also screening uh, to make sure because there's a lot of wheat um, uh, in in the products they were selling. They were wanting to make sure people didn't have like a weed allergy. And basically any other answers they gave were meaningless. It was right. just the pure psychology of it.
0: So let me um, compare this, for example, to if any of the customers actually saw um, the uh, TLC has a TV show, My 600-Pound Life, and that's part of this buy-in right, that you have to sort of earn the right, the chance to get that bariatric surgery, right? The, 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 the medical patients have to um, show that they've tried to lose a certain amount of weight on their own. They have to be committed to changing their diet. And, and so it sounds like um, what he did was to make that sort of similar to the buy-in to get people committed to Post surgery, committing to the steps necessary to make the steps to make the surgery successful. So in the same vein, Roka Labs is trying to get the people online, hey, show us that you're serious about losing weight. And and then at the end of this, they're hoping, right, that they're going to get selected. And basically you're saying they're going to get selected unless they indicate they have a weed allergy.
1: More or less, is that's what we found. Yeah. I, I can't think of any other. Criteria that people would would put in that would actually have their application rejected by okay. the company. Uh, your credit card wouldn't go through; it would get rejected. Right, but uh, but no other reason there? other than your wheat allergy. Okay, I, I, I don't think so. I I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the only thing that was uh, keeping somebody from from purchasing. Um, the letter to your doctor page, you know, again, this is something that is you know a a way to get you to believe there is science behind the claims of weight loss and science backing up um, what's been done and all these different studies. If you don't know better, may give you the impression. Um, and it wouldn't be your fault if you're not a medical expert, a weight loss expert, and you you know sort of misinterpret the, um, the the presence and the listing of these studies on the page. That's the entire game that the seller in these type of cases are, are doing is to show you some sort of study. And it may have been a real study, but it right. may have been on something else or it may have been tested for some other effect or maybe even the study is of the product, but it doesn't really show what's being claimed. You sort That's of, right. by the time you've sort of seen the claims and you sort of get to what's in the study, you know, there may be some, you know, I mean, it's not uncommon for there to be a very limited Uh, you know, uh, unblinded uh, human study where they get a few dozen people to take a product for a few weeks. And, you know, of course, they feel like it did something. So there could be some results that are consistent with that. But basically, if you don't have, if you're not doing a controlled study, for example, for weight loss, where you're looking at a group that isn't taking the product and comparing it to a group that is, and keeping right. everything else the same, you're not going to know uh, whether or not the product is causing weight loss, or just the fact that you're taking something is having a, an effect. Because Here you're, to. have it's a p- placebo effect, basically, or that's a behavioral right. effect, where you know you know you're going to be serious now. You're going to lose weight, right? And if you're going to drink that
0: substance, and you're going to eat less,
1: that's right. But you know, if you're you know taking anything else, you know the sugar pills or whatever it is, you could be losing the weight because you're doing the work at that point. And the point of having a controlled clinical study on human beings is to get enough people that you can kind of average these results and compare the two groups. And that's something that um, Roco Labs, you know, could have done, and for probably even a fraction of their um, their marketing budget. I mean, they spent millions of dollars of the 25 million <laughs> they took in um, 7 million went to the owner ultimately. Um, but there was probably, um, um, you know, there was millions of dollars spent on internet advertising. And if they wanted to do a, you know, legitimate job of trying to find out what cause, what, what effects, uh, weight loss effects their product would cause, they could have done a clinical trial or, you know, be a couple of hundred thousand dollars, but that's something a product seller trying to sell weight loss uh, supplements all across the country would be well able to and should be prepared to do rather than just making stuff up.
0: Right. Okay, so let's recap what we've covered so far. So we've got D stands for deceptive practices. E stands for exploiting the consumer's lack of knowledge. V stands for victimizing the vulnerable. I stands for inflate their credentials, their knowledge, their experience, and now we get to oh, obscuring the truth. And Roca Labs was very good at obscuring the truth. And Carl, tell us how did they do that?
1: Well, they did that in a number of ways. I would say oh, in this case doesn't just mean obscuring; it means oh my, because they did some uh, really uh, uh, interesting techniques to to obscure the truth. First of all, they had. Um, testimonials on their website that were by people who were paid actors who were reading from scripts talking about weight loss experiences that they themselves never had. And of course, these people are, you know, um, slender and attractive and, and, um, and talking about what a great uh, uh, experience they had and what great success they had with the product. They also had a third party, uh, apparently third party website um, that was basically. Made to look like it was objectively about bariatric surgery, different bariatric surgery techniques, um, featured all kinds of um, graphic images of, of uh, bariatric surgery procedures, and um, did um, a lot that was was basically intended to by the website operators who were Roca Labs <laughs> to make. Bariatric surgery looks scary and dangerous. Now I don't want to minimize the risks of any surgery. including wow. surgery, surgery, but um, they did their best to highlight what was gross and unpleasant about the process and the risks, which, you know, fine, that's their prerogative. But then they had a tab in the page that was about bariatric surgery alternatives. What's the bariatric surgery alternative they focused in on on this website? The Roca Labs formula. And they talked about, you know, they had testimonials on that page, never at all disclosing that this website was being run by Roca Labs and was designed to sell the Roca Labs formula. So all of these, you know, different aspects of, of, of this seemingly objective site were really, it was just a, a front. This is just a shill to sell Roca Labs products. And the other way that was even more uh, nefarious, if you will, is they buried a gag clause, a non-disparagement provision in the terms and conditions, the standardized form contract you would click on to buy the product would have uh, over a number of years, this, this changed in format, but the bottom line is you would promise not to say anything bad about Roca Labs, its employees or the product, in any online review and if you did you could be sued potentially for um, hundreds of thousands of dollars and um, you could be charged quote unquote full price for the product which is you know well you know you've been looking at ads and looking at the webpage that talks about $480 buried in the terms and conditions it was a uh, full price was several thousand dollars because you were agreeing to this supposed discount uh, in exchange for um, your silence, if uh, you didn't like the product, and there, um, um, you know, was no way anybody clicking through, you know, go, this this process of buying this product was clicking on the terms and conditions, seeing this, and let alone agreeing to this, you know, ridiculous um, uh, term. They reinforced it by including in the package, and I think you know this This is something that probably would have been a surprise to most people. You'd get the box, and there were inserts in the box that talked about um, how you're going to, um, you've gotten a discount, you paid $480, but um, that was a discount, and in exchange for that, you agreed not to say anything bad about the company. So they would, um, uh, you know, use use that as as a way of keeping bad experiences off of the web off of online review sites by intimidating people
0: wow wow that that just takes that takes suppressing the truth or obscuring the truth to a whole nother level so we're going to talk about um let's just stop for a second here and tell the reader listeners about um this new law are regarding those types of clauses. Just speak briefly about a law that probably most of our listeners are not aware of That's regarding...
1: Right. So, Go right. ahead. So this is the Consumer Review Fairness Act passed at the end of 2016, it went into effect in 2017. And what it basically does is it bars companies from using um, non-disparagement provisions, um, provisions that prohibit or restrict the ability of, of individuals to... Um, write online reviews or imposes a penalty against people who write online reviews um, and putting those type of provisions in form contracts, which are going to be any contract that has standardized provisions that you don't have a meaningful opportunity to negotiate. And that's going to cover most things that are going to be online terms and conditions or say, you know, a lot of times when a service uh, company shows up at your house, there'll be a multi-page, you know, um uh, form contract with a bunch of fine print on the back um, those are the types of things that are classically going to be covered by the form contract um definition and essentially if there's a provision in those that prohibits you from um giving your honest opinion your in an online review that's going to be void it's no good they can't enforce that and ftc can go after the company for um for violating that statute. So if you ever see um, these type of provisions in the form contract, do go to ftc.gov, go to our complaint form and type that in. And that helps us keep track of what companies that we might be able to go after for doing this, because usually we find this is something that's done to suppress the truth, suppressing reviews about people's bad experiences with the product. Companies never sue you for leaving a good review. They only sue you for leaving a bad review. And I will caution that you shouldn't um, read that as being you know, um, a license to go and say anything you want about a company on the web. You can still get sued for defamation and for saying things that are false about a company. So definitely, if you're going to leave a review, be accurate. And I'll always tell people, take a step away from your computer before you hit post or send on any review and make sure you check your facts, take a deep breath and that you're being uh, clear-headed about what you're, you're writing before you start you know, uh, going and, and saying things about, about a company because a lot of times they fight back. It gets ugly and the truth is your best friend there.
0: All right. Well, that's good information. All right. So listeners, next we have you in Devious and that stands for Underhandedly Taking Consumers' Money. And here I wanna add an addendum, underhandedly taking and keeping consumers money because this gag clause was actually used as a way to try to keep the people's money. So when the consumers would complain online, tell us Carl what then happened to some of those consumers who nevertheless
1: put negative reviews online. Right. So the the, the gag clause had two main effects. One, as I alluded to earlier, is that, you know, it basically kept truthful, negative information about the company out of the marketplace, because people who would see this and take it seriously would think better of posting a review at all. But if you'd had the temerity to post a review and say, these people ripped me off, I didn't lose weight, the product doesn't work, what have you, um, you would sometimes get a uh, demand letter from Roka Labs lawyers saying that you violated the agreement, you are going to owe us money. And in a few cases, Roka Labs even sued consumers who posted negative online reviews for breaching the contract. And in fact, they went so far as to sue on a complaint website for having induced people to breach these non disparagement provisions <laughs> in the online in terms of sale. And they got into a big lawsuit about that, which for a lawyer's perspective was a goldmine, I'll tell you, because when a company is putting in writing, here's the bad thing we're doing, right? here's how we're doing it, and here are the documents showing how we do it. That's something that you really, um, you don't get uh, too often. So I have to thank them in a way for doing that, but it was a, basically, you know, a way of of extorting people into shutting up and setting an example so that other people could be told, "Hey, if you say something, if you don't take your review down, you're going to get sued." Like we sued these other people, so right. it's definitely a technique that uh, is is you know a, an underhanded way of of getting people to you know to to stay silent and to um, to keep their their money.
0: Wow, wow. Okay, so now we get lastly to S. S is slipping into the shadows. But Carl is going to tell us what happened in terms of liability before Jerevan, the owner, tried to slip into the shadows. So tell us, what
1: what was the court's liability imposed? So basically, the court ruled that, in fact, the claims were deceptive. That the use of these uh, non-disparagent provisions to sell the uh, product were uh, unfair, which is another part of the FTC statute, and that their claims of um, that you've got some sort of discount on a product were were deceptive as well. And as a result, the court uh, issued an injunction saying that they can't make these types of unsubstantiated claims advertising products in the future, and that they can't um, use these gag clauses in the future and imposed a monetary judgment on the company and its owner of $25 million. Wow.
0: All right, so that's, that's a great result for consumers. Um, and so now I'm just going to transition into the bankruptcy aspect of this. Um, I teach, in addition to teaching advertising law, I also teach consum- um, bankruptcy law and in particular consumer bankruptcy. And uh, Don Carl Jerevan, the guy that owned Roca Labs, after this, he tried to escape personal liability by filing bankruptcy. And um, when any um, flesh and blood person files bankruptcy, there are certain debts that they're able to discharge or wipe out. And Jerevin tried to get out from under this judgment of liability, basically he wanted to be able to walk away and not have to pay this money. And so the FTC um, um, intervened into this bankruptcy case and basically used a provision under 523 of the United States Bankruptcy Code, which, which basically says, if the debt that you owe resulted from fraud, intentional fraud, of false pretenses, then you're not able to get rid of that debt. And when the bankruptcy case is over, you still owe that money. And so in the bankruptcy context, the good news for consumers is that the court went back and looked at all this evidence from the uh, district court case and said, yes, we agree with the FTC. This was intentional fraud. You intentionally engaged in deceptive acts to rip off people to the tune of $25 million and your personal liability will still remain after the bankruptcy case is over. So that's the good result for consumers that um, Jerevin still owes the money even though he tried to get rid of that debt in bankruptcy. And so that was an unsuccessful attempt by him to at least escape that liability. And if you go out there and you Google his name, you will see that he's still out there working He's still out there trying to make money. So as we close, then I wanna hand it back to Carl for any closing thoughts or um, any other
1: comments for the, our listeners. Sure, I would say that the um, main thing to take away about the dietary supplements being sold, if there are specific claims, for example, that um, it uh, the, the supplement is going to, um, help you cure or treat a disease or have some sort of effect, like weight loss, um, you're generally going to want to see if the company has um, human-controlled clinical studies to back that up. And if any company is trying to sell you something, particularly online, and there's some way in which the company is trying to get you to qualify to buy the product, that should send up a red flag. If you've got any company that is trying to, before you even deal with them, shut you up and not leave a negative review or say anything bad about them, that should also be a red flag. Why would they do that, right? Um, And then finally, if you see any company that you think is making um, false, exaggerated, unsubstantiated claims about uh, a product or um, using any kind of uh, gag clause, non-disparagement provision in their uh, form contracts, um, as well as all kinds of other things. Um, Go to ftc.gov and file a consumer complaint. We can't go after everybody, but that's a great resource for us to be able to collect complaints, oftentimes identify the most egregious actors and be able to prioritize them for law enforcement action.
0: All right, so those are some very good uh, closing remarks. And I just wanna tell our listeners Go to ftc.gov. You can get a wealth of information. You can actually pull up um, the summaries about the case against Roca Labs. Um, You can also look at, there's various um, FTC warnings to consumers out there. There are ways to submit complaints. Also, in your state, so uh, Carl just said a few minutes ago that the FTC can't go after every bad guy. But every state in the union has an attorney general, the office of the attorney general. Um, Washington DC has an attorney general office. Uh, US territories, they also have such an office. You can go to their websites and submit a complaint through their websites. And it's very important that you do that because this is a way for them to figure out whether or not somebody is engaged in behavior that's widespread and egregious enough that they should go after them to shut them down. So I wanna thank Carl for his time and I hope everybody learned a lot. I'm gonna uh, post uh, links to um, the FTC website about this particular devious fraudster and I hope you enjoyed listening. And thank you again, Carl.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, bye-bye now.
1: Bye.